So I have been um, trying to find clarity all week. If you were here last weekend, we really talked about what does it mean to have clarity in your life. You know, Vision 2020, 2020 Vision, we're going to pick that up again this weekend and talk about what does it mean to make a decision about pursuing God. Now I want you to just think of a time. You don't have to raise your hand to this, but I, well, maybe maybe it would be good if you're not embarrassed. Have any of you ever been pursued by the police like you ran? Oh, look at this. Oh, come forward. We're going to just hear your story. We don't want to pray for you. We just want to hear about it. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I, 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 I'm not a big TV watcher, okay? I, I like some sports and I enjoy uh, certain dramas with Bonnie that we kind of get caught up in every now and then. But I was going through the channels the other day and I found this thing called Live PD. Have you guys ever heard of this? It's like police departments all over the country and, and, and it's happening live. And I honestly have to say that I didn't really know exactly what was happening for a minute. It was like a breaking story of something somewhere and it's all live. And, and, and man, it just showed, it just captured me. And I'm like, I'm like still sitting there an hour and a half later, like get the next bad guy, get the next bad guy, where, where are we going? And, and these cops are pursuing, chasing down, these people are crazy. I was, you know what happened to me after that? The next day I'm like passing everyone on the roads going, Everyone is drunk in their cars right now. Everyone is drunk or they're on drugs because there's so many crazy stories. But when those cops turn those lights on and those sirens on and they go in pursuit, it is exciting. A lot is about to happen and they're not going to give up. And I, I just want to have a siren and a light in my life that says, God, I'm coming after you. You didn't do anything wrong. But I'm not stopping until I get you. I'm not stopping until that day in eternity when I stand before you. I want to be passionately pursuing God. Now, there's a story in the Bible that um, has always captured me, even since I was a, a little kid. I've always had a, a kind of sensitivity. I haven't always liked it as a kid because I was always that kid in the class that would see someone with a disability or an issue or struggling and I just, my heart would break and I would try to help them and I just always had that side. It's like, why am I the only one that cares about this stuff? But this woman in Luke chapter 8, verse 43, was a story that as a kid always touched me. And I just want to read through it. A woman in the crowd, that, that first line says it all. A woman in the crowd. She's not special. She's not fancy. She's not noticeable. She's just a woman in the crowd. And she had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, the whole crowd is pressing up against you. In other words, it was crazy right then. What do you mean, who, who touched you? Dozens of people have touched you as you have walked here. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me. Someone deliberately touched me. For I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble. And she fell to her knees before him. And the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him. And she had been immediately healed. And he simply said, daughter... Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You know, I don't know the struggle that she went to to get in line, to see the crowd coming, 
to find her way so that she could finally just reach over. She didn't need his direct attention. She was trying to stay out of the way. All she needed, she knew she had the faith that if I can touch the Son of God, even just his garment, I will receive healing. That is pursuit. She knew that she had a chance to be healed, and she wasn't going to let up for one second. Now, pursuing God does take faith. So what I want to do, if you have this program, there's a whole bunch of blanks. And I'm just going to give you, every blank is one word. So this is really simple. But I want you to think about these words. And I'm, this is one of those messages like last week. I don't expect you to just do all this today. I want you to think about it. Take this with you. Ponder it throughout the week or the next two or three weeks. And think about if you're pursuing God. Or are you just a habitual Christian? An habitual Christian should be pursuing God, right? But sometimes I meet people who walk with God. They have their routines. They have their job. They have their paycheck. They have their, and they just go through the motion. And I want to just stop that and draw a line in the sand today and ask you the question, are you passionately pursuing this God who, who made you? Because I know he's pursuing you, but are you pursuing him back? So the first word, it says, why do people pursue God? There are, believe me, my list had 12 things on it when I was building this. So I think I settled it down to five or six in that first part. But it's not, it's not a magical number. Some people, number one, pursue God because they are taught to. They're taught. I am one of those people. I was raised, um, from the time I was a kid, I knew Jesus. Um, I don't remember a day of my life without being exposed to who Jesus was. Matter of fact, I thought everyone went to church just like I did. Now, this was back in the day. Some of you will remember this. We had Sunday morning church. We had Sunday school. Then we had Sunday night church. And in our case, we had Tuesday night church, and we had Wednesday night, um, Thursday night church. And we usually had a youth group meeting somewhere in between as I got a little older. So every stinking day of my life was in church. All right, no, I'm just kidding. I, I, I thought everybody went to church. I didn't have an option. I would have never said to my dad, I don't want to go to church. I, I would have woken up three days later in a coma. No, probably not, not really. I'm kidding. But, I mean, my family was, that, that's just what we did. It was just how I was raised. And so the idea of following the Lord was expressed verbally in our home, and I'm very grateful for that. I was taught to follow Jesus. I was taught how to pray. I watched my dad pray. I watched my sisters pray. I watched my mom pray. I was taught all of these things. I was taught to read the Bible. I feel blessed by all of this. But I wonder what your story is. And so just to give me a feel, how many of you, like me, were taught to be a seeker of God? Just wave your hand at me. Okay, that means a lot of you weren't. So I want you to just ponder what, what happened to you in, in causing you to pursue God. I asked this question in our pre-meeting with our worship team and some of our staff who were in there. And a lot of little good discussion happened right there because we all sort of came to an understanding that even me taught, raised, when I got to college, even in Bible school, do you realize I had to make a decision as to whether or not I really believed what I was taught? Like, do I really believe this? Am I really passionate about God or, or is this just a habit in my life? And I think that many people in those high school, college years, and maybe even older, young adults start asking questions. 
And they're not taught to, but they're pondering what if. And that takes us to the next thing. Number two in your outline is experiences. Some people pursue God because of an experience that they had. And this would be the Acts 9, the book in the Bible, Acts 9, Saul's conversion. And it just says, as he was approaching Damascus on his mission, by the way, his mission, we mentioned it last week, was to destroy Christians. He, he was a, he just, he, he hated Christians. But a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city. And you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul, this is interesting, they stood there speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Can I just say, I'm kind of bummed that that didn't happen to me. I wish all of you had a story like this. Wouldn't it be nice to know that you were knocked down under the power of God and blind for three days, as long as you get your sight back, right? Because then you would have this assurance that that's a lot bigger than me. But we all don't have this kind of an experience. This is dramatic. But God knew that his hand on Saul, who would become the Apostle Paul, would be very powerful. You know, we have people all over the world right now who are having experiences. And Jesus is showing up in front of them. And it's amazing. You can, you can read some of these fascinating stories. And even here at Timberline, we have connections with people in certain parts, especially in the East, where Jesus is showing up in a dream or a vision in a white robe, and he's declaring that he is Jesus. And it's caused a lot of people, because of this experience, to open their heart and their life to the truth about who Jesus is. And I think as a church, we can take a lot of pride in the fact, I don't mean evil pride, like arrogant pride, but thankfulness, gratitude's a better word, gratitude to God. We can be have so much gratefulness to God for the fact that he still gives experiences to people who are seeking after him. And sometimes even those who are not. Some of you, how many of you, don't raise your hand, but just, just think about them. Think about their names for a moment. You have loved ones who are not following the Lord. Maybe it's kids or grandparents or parents, just people that you love, you care about. They're not following the Lord. Wouldn't it be amazing and maybe it would be a worthy prayer to say, Lord, would you give an experience to one of these people that let them know that you are real and you love them and you're chasing them down. I, th I don't think that's evil to pray that. And I don't think it's a self-centered prayer. I think it's important. So just be thinking about that as you go. A, a third thing that I know is used in people's lives is just curiosity. Curiosity is a wonderful thing. It really is. I mean, it can lead to evil, but it can also lead to wonderful discovery. And there was a guy, and I don't know that I'll read this story in its detail, but you can read it. It's in John chapter 3. His name is Nicodemus. How many of you know his story? Nicodemus, basically, he was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. And he he came, he came to Jesus and he had these questions. And, and I'll just kind of sum it up like this. He said, um, what do I need to know about this whole being saved thing? And if you really are who you say you are. And, and Jesus said you, you need to be born again. And, 
And so he, he, in his logic, now this is, it's humorous to me now, but it's very serious. So he does what any intelligent person would do. He thinks about the process of being born again. And literally in scripture, he says to Jesus, is it like really possible to enter your mother's womb again? And what do you mean born again? Like that doesn't make sense. And Jesus says, no, I'm talking about the spirit. I'm talking about being born again in the spirit, not a physical birth, but a spiritual birth. That's why we have that phrase, born again. I'm born physically, but I can be, have a second birth in the spirit man where faith touches God, God touches my spirit man, and I am made alive in Christ. I repent of my sin, and I believe on Jesus, and I experience a new birth. And there's lots of scripture that talk about the new man. And that we are created new in the image of God. So these are very important conversations that Nicodemus is having. But he was curious. Now, I'm telling you about Nicodemus because I have a big question I want you to consider. How is it possible, or is it possible, for someone to live their whole life without some curiosity about where they came from? Every one of us, I believe, have had moments in our lives when we had to have some answers to where we came from and why. And what is a bigger purpose in my life and why am I experiencing what I am experiencing? When I talk with people in this curious mode, I've learned this through the years and I'm not saying that it's right, but it's just kind of a model that I'm trying to do more of. I, don't answer, I try not to fully answer questions, even if I feel like I have an answer. Because I think that curiosity and that discovery is part of the journey God has you on. Seek him. There might be some of you in this room right now that you're just, you don't believe in God. You came here with a friend or you pop in here because someone you love is with you and, and you sort of suffice to them. But you don't really believe. And I just want to say to you, have you ever been curious enough to ask the bigger questions about how we got here and where we're going and the why of your life? Why do you have the DNA you have, the fingerprints you have, the curiosity that you have? These are big questions. And they can't just be pushed into a corner forever. Many of you came to faith because you were curious like Nicodemus was. And so let's invite questions. You know, as a church, could we learn, one of the things in 2020 that I'm asking us to do, and you're going to hear more about this even next week, because we're talking about pursuing people next week. Could we make sure that we're not the Christians that have all the answers? Oh, yeah, I can fix that for you. Oh, yeah, let me tell you what the Bible says. Oh, let me give you a cute little verse you can put on your mirror and all this will go away, right? Let's not do that. Instead, let's find some questions that we can ask people that will stir that curiosity in their own life. Because in asking those questions, they are going to find a place with God differently than us just trying to give them all the answers. So questions are not bad. Curiosity is not bad. Let people be curious about God like Nicodemus was. Nicodemus ended up following Jesus. And it's a powerful story. Number four. Another reason people come to, to pursue God is suffering. 
suffering. This is a very real word. Many of you right now are suffering. You have physical pain even as I'm talking. Many of you have had accidents or tragedy or disease or illness that have left you in a position where you have suffered. You can't think as clearly. You can't walk as clearly, as easily. You, you struggle with things that you used to didn't have to struggle with. Suffering is very, very big. The, the lady in the story that I started with today, with the issue of blood, was suffering, dying. And I have a feeling that that suffering and that dying pushed her to Jesus because she wanted to be healed. She had faith that she could find it. And this began to push her to Jesus. Suffering creates a lot of challenges for, for people. And they often, two things, one of two things happen. And, and this would be good if you know of someone suffering that's not a person of faith. Uh, it's been my experience over the years to see that people who are suffering end up running to God or from God. He's either the answer and the source of help, or he's to blame. And if you've never talked to people, like I've had the privilege, some right here tonight, Rich and Ken, and others who have suffered, and, and people who have paid a price for a physical ailment or an issue that they have faced in their life, there is a huge challenge in the mind of someone who is suffering to somehow settle the tension between Pursuing God, being angry at God, being frustrated, frustrated, but also finding the peace that they need to make it through this. There's a tension that exists in this suffering. And we as the church need to really pay attention to this, especially when we minister to people who are suffering. Let's never be the quick fix Jesus people. But let's challenge people to take their suffering to God like this lady did and to touch him, to reach out. And anyone can do that. God may not heal them. And that creates a whole lot of challenges. But God may. God may touch them in their suffering. The fifth thing that I see is need. Just basic need. And some of these overlap. It's like a, how many of you have smoothies once in a while? You know, when I watch my wife put that stuff in a smoothie, I, I tell her, I am not drinking that. I don't even know what some of that stuff is, but it is ugly going in there. Plants and all these things, and it spins all around, and it's a mucky, pukey green color. And, and it's just like, it looks awful. And then I, she says, just taste it. No. No, I'm kidding. And then I taste it, and it had enough banana in it to make it taste good. You know what I'm saying? These, all, all six of these words are in, in the blender, okay? So there's a little bit, there's a connection between all of them, but need. You know, when there is no need for a Savior, people do not have an urgency to find one. Just think about that. When there's no need for a Savior, people don't have an urgency to find one. There's a, the story in Mark 10 about Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus is just a great character in the Bible who wouldn't give up and he had a real need. <laughs> My, every time I start talking about Bartimaeus, I go back to when I was 20 years old, I was preaching my fourth or fifth sermon of my life. 
and Bonnie was sitting there listening to me, and I was, I was learning, and I was trying so hard, and, and I was preaching on Bartimaeus. And I said, and Bartimaeus looked up, and he saw Jesus coming down the road. The problem with that is that Bartimaeus is blind. So I'm not going to say that this evening. When they reached Jericho, as the disciples left the town with Jesus, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar. There's a description for you. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Here's a beggar. They said, be quiet. Stop. He's busy. But he wouldn't stop. Why? Because he had a need and Jesus was in town. That's why. You guys, when you have a need and Jesus is in town, it's also really wonderful what he was saying. Jesus, son of David, was the connection to the lineage of David, which the Messiah would come from. And so Bartimaeus was smart. And when he said that, Jesus, son of David, guess what happened? Jesus immediately said, bring him to me. And the crowd said, okay, okay, you can be happy, cheer up. He said, he said to come to him. And this was another thing I found interesting. And we have to be careful with this. When, when blind Bartimaeus got to Jesus... Jesus said to him, what is it that you want? Is there anything silly about that to you? See, we always assume that someone who has a physical need is coming up for prayer, for healing, for a physical need. But that's not always true. And Jesus knows that many of you who have perfect physical ability have great human need. And Jesus says, what is it that you want? What is it that you need? I love that about Jesus. He's sensitive to the needs of people. And Bartimaeus did say that I might see. And Jesus said, be healed. Your faith has made you whole. What a story. What a gracious God. Needs are not all bad. Whatever your need is today, bring it to you. Last one. And then I'll give you three things that, that I think we should pursue God because of these three. The last one, number six, is just circumstances. Um, circumstances. I would, I would recommend that you live your life in a way that acknowledges the presence of God and your pursuit of God daily. So that you don't find yourself in circumstances where you go, oh no, I think we're going to have to pray. <laughs> like it's the last resort. You ever been there? Oh no, we tried everything else. I guess we better pray. <laughs> it's, it's gotten that bad that we need to pray. I would like to recommend that you live your life in a way that says, I'm pursuing you, God. I'm chasing you with everything I am. And every circumstance in my life you're aware of, and I bring it to you today. 
I'm aware that I'm going into a hostile meeting today. I'm aware that someone's angry. I'm aware that something's going on. I'm aware that this worker is mad at me. I'm aware, whatever it is, and you prepare yourself and you go into that circumstances, but to sometimes circumstances bring people to the breaking point of having to call on God. Now, I got to hurry. So let me give you three real quick things. So what, what, should, what should drive me to pursuing God? Again, there's more than three, but let me just give you three that I really feel are very important that should motivate us to pursue God. Number one is truth. Truth. If you want, if you want to walk in the truth and live in the truth, pursue God and he will help you discover the truth. The Bible talks about it's the truth that sets you free. The Son of God came to set us free, indeed. Lots of, lots of talk about that. It's the truth about who we are that we need to know because we're made in the image of God. It's the truth about who our enemy is that we need to know because he came to kill us, steal from us, and destroy us. It's the truth about your past that you need to understand that you need a Savior. It's the truth about your future that your hope in the Lord is justified. When you trust in him and you believe in him and you pursue him, your hope is real because you have a future with God. It's the truth about your forgiveness. God does, in fact, forgive sin. How many of you are glad? He forgives sin and he still does. And it's the truth about our value. We are called the sons and daughters of God. That is unbelievable. We need that truth in order to be reconciled to this God and in order to have motivation to pursue him with everything I am. The second one is purpose. Man, I want, I want to keep living in my purpose. I told you last week, remember this card? Anybody make one and, and carrying it around with you? I, I hope you are. Seriously, this will impact you. Just make a card just like this and just put it somewhere where you see it a few times a week, on the fridge or something. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I here? When Pastor Rick Warren wrote a book called Purpose Driven Life, I don't think he had any idea that 30-some million people would buy it. But it shows the hunger and the craving for knowing why I'm on this earth. Because people want to discover who they are and why they are on this earth. The last one is fulfillment. Fulfillment. I want to have fulfillment in my life. I've been blessed with a lot of wonderful things. A wonderful wife who loves me, three kids that love me now, grandkids, in-laws. I've been blessed, no, no question. It hasn't been totally easy. It's not without challenges. All of us have those. But how many of you just feel overall your life is pretty blessed? I feel that way. I know that real fulfillment, though, doesn't come from just those things. I know that real fulfillment comes from knowing that I'm walking in obedience to God. That's the number one. That's the number one. Am I obeying the mission of God? The only way I can do that is to be pursuing him. That's why this whole message, will you pursue God this year? Will you obey him? Will you walk in this? Fulfillment comes through relationships. Fulfillment can be so easy. Have you ever just been hungry and a really good meal just did it for you? 
I, this is crazy. I craved, I don't crave food that often. This week, I, I craved, you know what I craved? Like really thin pancakes, like, like crepes, kind of like crepes. Have you ever had crepes? And the, the really thin ones that are kind of rubbery, and you put some real butter on them and some syrup on them. And I was just like, I've, I've, I've never made those in my life. But I, I, Bonnie's in Arizona coming back this week. In, and so I just went and bought this batter that said crepes. And I put some, some mix in there and some cream and some stuff in there. It was like so good. And I just <laughs> sat there going, I am a genius. I, I made crepes and I am so fulfilled. I might make them again tonight. I'm just saying. That fulfillment was real, but it was temporary. I, I'm, I got hungry again. And after my fifth meal of crepes, I hate them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> How many of you just sometimes need a hot bath? You know, it's just like, oh, this is, that's all I need, or a massage or something to just take you away. See, fulfillment comes in little doses. But life fulfillment, life fulfillment. When you look back at your life and you see where God met you, see where God showed up, you see that he met that need, he saw that desperation, he cared about that situation. Suddenly I'm having passion for purpose and pursuing God. Why? Because he knows everything about me and I don't. And I can trust him. I can trust him with everything about me. The definition for fulfillment is this. This is just the dictionary. A sense of achievement for one's hopes and dreams. A state or quality of sensing, completion, and realization. God wants that for you. Pursue him and find that. The thief comes and his purpose is to steal and to kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. To give them a rich and satisfying life. I want to end with two questions. I'm not even going to answer them. I'm going to let you answer them. Am I pursuing God? Just say it right now as you sit there. And think about it. Am I pursuing God? The second part that goes with this that I hope you'll ask all week. Will my life inspire others to pursue God? Will my life inspire others? I have a pastor friend who was a mentor that passed away last week, Charlie Hefton. He said so many profound things in my life. I wasn't ever super close to him, but he inspired me to live close to God. He inspired me to be someone who was chasing God. My wife inspires me that way. Many of you inspire me that way. But wouldn't it be great if people could look at you and say about you, man, that person inspires me to chase God. Let's do it. Pray with me. Lord, these questions matter. In the scheme of everything that's happening right now in our lives, may, may it just boil down to are we pursuing you? Show us how we can have clarity in pursuing you, Lord. Lord, I commit to you, and I believe 
These people stand with me and we stand together before you on this night to say this church is pursuing you. We are in the pursuit of Jesus. We are not trying to be flashy or, or funny or have some distinct known thing about us. We want people to be inspired by Jesus when they think of Timberline Church. It's your church. Show us, Lord, how to be that example everywhere we go in all that we say and do. Open us up this week. With heads bowed, is there anyone here right now that needs to start their, your relationship of pursuing God? You would just lift a hand and say, I need to start pursuing him. I haven't been, and I want to start tonight. Just hold it up right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Okay? You can put it right back down. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Just pray this prayer with me. Lord, I start tonight. I pursue you tonight. I start right now. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. I trust you with my future. I believe you're the son of God and you died on that cross for me and I give you everything I am. Start tonight. And those of you that maybe have been lulled to sleep in a Christian world that allows you to have your faith, maybe this would be a new beginning for you to say, Lord, show me where that passion is to pursue you with my whole heart, with everything. that Do I love you with my whole heart? mind, soul, body, strength? Do I love my neighbor as myself? Lord, we say yes. We say yes to that, that challenge. Use us and spend us for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.